Hello and welcome to the Gray Area, where I give interviews with developers, talk about gaming news and reviews, and focus on the interrelationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray, and this is the 63rd episode in a weekly series called Meet Hold the Line. Here with me is Krista, Caitlin, and Victoria from the Retake Mass Effect movement. Welcome, ladies. Hi. Hey. Hi. <laughs> Last week's episode was a discussion with Dave Witt about Guild Wars 2, the Diablo 3 beta test, and C2E2. Please visit www.genesee.com to add to the forum discussion on that topic and to tell me your story. Today is Thursday, April 26th, and we're going to discuss Mass Effect 3, the retake movement, turn off on Bioware campaign, and learn more about our lovely ladies today. Uh, as an aside to the chat room in Twitch, we will be taking questions at the end of the hour, so hold off, and then ladies will hopefully get a chance to answer any burning questions you have from the interview. And we're also going to try to be open to all opinions and be as respectful as possible to the companies involved while still giving them a kick in the butt, okay? Now, normally I do gaming news here, but I think we're going to need all of our time today to talk about these topics. So let's talk about this uh, in our news. So let's do news of the week. news of the week. On the 28th of April, Hold the Line is going to have a demonstration from the retake Mass Effect, Turn Me On and Turn Me Off. So let's talk about that. Let's go to Krista first. I'm going to put you on the spot. Tell me about this campaign. Okay. <laughs> um, the Turn On, Turn Off campaign is really cool. Somebody came up with that in the forum and uh, I wish I had usernames in front of me. I feel really bad. Uh, but basically, we all are turning on our single-player mode. Um, I know there's been some talk that because people were disappointed with the end of the game that they're not interested in the single-player mode and so basically the idea is to let Bioware know that we still are interested, we still like the game, um, to give them the impression like don't stop working on the single-player and not developing more DLC because they get the impression nobody wants to play. Um, so we're going to turn, everyone turns on their console um, I believe on Saturday, the 28th, and um, then essentially what we do is the entire day, the 29th, which is Sunday, hope I'm getting the dates right, um, we turn our game off entirely, no playing the game whatsoever, so basically you can show them this is the amount of people that want to support you and support the game, and then alternatively, this is what you're losing if, you know, you don't try to keep fans happy. I think that's a really good idea. I had some questions about that. Um... Now, it's Origin's recording of this that's the important thing. Is that correct? Just the numbers that Origin is getting? Right. Okay. Um, I've had some people ask me, what if they have turned off the sending info to Bioware button, which I know I have because, I, you know, they were asking for system specs and things like that. Is that going to affect your Origin um, being recorded for this event? Do you know? I am not sure, you guys. Yes. It will. it will. You have to have it turned on. So um, if you're a fan of your privacy, uh, but you still want to take part, just turn it on for the one day. 
for the one day. Okay, that's really good to know. Um, and for those who were concerned about the fact that they don't use Twitter or they don't use Facebook, um, like you said, be aware that it's just origin that we're concerned about. So even if you don't end up being able to tweet the hashtag turn me on or on Sunday, the hashtag turn me off, uh, hopefully you'll still be able to take part in that. Yeah, everyone should try to participate, whether they have Facebook or Twitter or not. Um, worst case, you could always make a post on the Bioware forums if you're there, or heck, you can even email Bioware if you want. Okay, very good. That should ease some people's concerns, I think. All right, so let's move on to your news of the week, ladies, your individual news of the week. And we're going to start with Krista here because I've seen more of her posts than some of the others here. So it looks like you have a lot of fun. I'm seeing kabuki outfits and movies and <laughs> karaoke. Tell me all about your news of the week. Oh, personal news or hold the line news? Personal news. Oh, yeah. So um, a really good friend of mine and I went to the Cherry Blossom Festival this weekend, and she has, like, actual Japanese yukata. So she was like, I want to wow. dress up in my yukata, but I don't want to do it alone. So she, like, <laughs> dressed me up, and it was really cool. I walked uh, 15,000 steps on my pedometer in wooden shoes, so in geta, <laughs> like actual Japanese shoes. Nice. It was beautiful. You're pretty brave. So you went out in, in, in public and just walked to the Cherry Blossoms? Yeah, we actually walked in the uh, the anime march portion of the parade. So we walked like through the middle of the streets of San Francisco in Yukata. It was kind of cool. <laughs> I bet you were uh, very photogenic. People probably stopped you to take pictures of that. Yeah, apparently uh, you can tell. Like, uh, I guess it's kind of offensive when people that are not Japanese wear kimono or yukata and they do it wrong. So Kat was telling me the whole time, she was like, okay, so just so you know, all of these, like you can see the little Japanese ladies and they're giving us approving nods because we did it right. Oh. So <laughs> I guess they were like, yeah, those girls know how to do their yukata. <laughs> Very good. All right. News of the week for you, Caitlin. I hear that you're Shira. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> um... I live in Ottawa, Canada, and it's a, the nas national capital, and nothing ever happens here. So we have our very first Comic-Con this year, and the guest of honor is Patrick Stewart, and I'm totally freaking out over that. Uh, so I was like, what am I going to cosplay? I didn't want to wear one of my anime cosplays, because uh, I don't know, seemed out of place. So I was trying to come up with something, and I... Waited until the last minute, so I ended up buying a She-Ra cosplay, which I got in the mail yesterday. And um, let's just say that if I bend over, there's spillage. <laughs> <laughs> she is the princess of power. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and congrats on your five-kill achievement. You're a beast. I have them all. Yay. <laughs> nice. Alright, Victoria, I hear that you work in IT... And I wondered if there were any interesting questions you've been asked lately that you'd like to share with us. Um, unfortunately, I don't work in IT. Oh, <laughs> <I'm stupid>. Okay. <laughs> oh, see, misinformed on Twitter. Yeah. So well, there are several Victorias. I could have gotten you wrong. Tell me your news. Um, I wish I had more exciting week. Everybody's week sounds really fun, but um. <laughs> Mine is mostly buried in books, although books about video game theory, so it's not altogether dull. Oh, that does sound fun. What are you studying to do? Um, I'm studying to do a PhD on um, game worlds and the theory of play. 
Wow. Okay. Very esoteric. Nice. (laughs) All right. So now on to gaming. I know you're all avidly into the Mass Effect series, but what got you interested in gaming in the first place? Uh, My dad has worked in IT forever, so we've always had a computer. And um, when I was four, he bought me a game called Put Put the Purple Car, (laughs) (laughs) which I remember fondly. And... um, and it just started from there. Uh, my dad was kind of into games, so um, he had uh, he was really into uh, real-time strategy. So it started off with those, and um, I just became obsessed, really, as a teenager, and it's never never gone away. Nice. All right, Krista, <laughs> your turn. Ah, uh, so the I know I played Atari and stuff way back when, but the first actual memory I have, like solid, of gaming, um, we got. Zelda on the Nintendo uh, for Christmas and I watched I used to watch my dad play games because he was better at it than me so mm-hmm. I would just be like you play and he'd be like no go ahead and I'd be like no I want to see you beat it and I remember sitting for like three days in front of our TV watching my dad play neither of us I don't think either of us slept and I remember like being a little kid and watching my dad uh, beat Ganon and uh, it was really hard. He like tried to get me to do it first, and I kept dying. I was really bad. So I've always had a Zelda fesh- obsession. Uh, we just saw the the symphony here. It was like the oh, Zelda yeah. orchestra. Yeah, it was cool. Um, that and hiding behind my dad and uncle, who actually look like Mario and Luigi. Actually, they're <laughs> twins. Uh, they're twins, and they both had back in the eighties. They had big mustaches and my dad is a little bit bigger and my uncle does like triathlon so he's really skinny and so they look like Mario and Luigi and uh, they would take turns playing Wolfenstein and I was scared of the Nazis so I would hide behind them and like peek out and watch but when a Nazi would come on screen I would go hide. (laughs) That's really cute. Your family sounds really fun. (laughs) (laughs) Good. All right so let's see Caitlin. Um Wow, my mother tried really hard to turn me into a girly girl, and uh, it didn't work out too good, obviously. But I think my first memory of games would have to be, and I can't believe I'm going to admit this, the Magic School Bus games. (laughs) I didn't know there were games. Tell me about this. I remember those. Um, used to play those. And then I had an NES growing up, um, played a lot of Super Mario games, um, things like that. Then mom put her foot down, so I had no consoles, nothing, up until I started being able to buy my own and got an original Xbox. And I think what really did me in would have to be Knights of the Old Republic 1, mm. um, which coincidentally is what hooked me on Bioware. So that, that it was just uh, a lost cause for my mom from there. It's funny, it seems like people either start where the whole family's really into gaming or else it's kind of like the rebellion. <laughs> yeah, that's a neat uh that's a neat division going on there. So tell me about your favorite games. Some of you've already told me like Zelda and things like that. Anything else you'd like to share about your favorite game? Magic School Bus still your favorite? Miss <laughs> 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 Frizzle. Looking at my shelf, it's honestly like all bioware, which makes me extra sad. Um Yeah. Mass effect. Things are so good. I know. They are good. But uh, Mass Effect is without a doubt my all-time favorite. Hands down, there's nothing that challenges it in my book. Um, Which of the three? That's a tough one because I like them all for different reasons. Okay. Um, (laughs) 
Victoria's going to facepalm when I say this, but the first a lot of Caden. <laughs> so <laughs> that was pretty uh, nice. But I think overall, if I had to choose one, it would be the second, because I think gameplay-wise and story-wise, it just had the best mix. Okay. Okay. It's okay. You're allowed to like it. Go ahead, Krista. <laughs> you want to refute her? Oh, uh, Mass Effect 2 all the way. Mass Effect 2 is one of the best games ever created in existence. And this is coming from a hardcore RPG gamer. Like, that's, yeah, console RPGs until like a year or two ago. And then nothing but stupid Steam RPGs, Steam Sale. Sakoden uh, yeah, or Sikoden or however you say it. Favorite games of all time besides okay. Mass Effect. But Mass Effect 2 totally takes it. See, how do you feel about Dragon Age? Because it could go either way with some people. Actually, <laughs> I'm going to lose nerd cred here. Loved Dragon Age 1. Mm -hmm. I'm actually only about two-thirds of the way through Dragon Age 2 because I started replaying Mass Effect to get ready for... I just never played 2. I, I heard it sucks, so I never played it. And uh, so I only got it in like January or February. And so I played about halfway through Fenris Fangirl. And then um, started playing Mass Effect again. So I haven't okay. finished it, and people keep trying to spoil it. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't I, say I still sucked. liked it, though. I mean, like, I know people are like, I don't like it because it's not Dragon Age 1, but I still I still like the franchise, and I like the series, and I have a total girl crush on Femhawk. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right, Victoria. Oh, I'm leaning towards Dragon Age. Oh, Because great. I'm, you know... I have to be the black sheep, don't I? Um, Origins was just so good. I'm like, I, I just loved it. I mean, it must have touched me because I wrote my master's dissertation on it. So. Oh, okay. That's commitment, man. Yeah. I did really enjoy the Dragon Age series. I do like Fenris, although I have to say I don't think his, his voice matches his face. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too much into the anime. He's too anime for me, like with the deep voice. <laughs> oh, I like the gruff voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's go to <laughs> Hold the Line. Uh, tell me about how the movement came about and I guess how you three met. I'm kind of assuming you might have met through there, but I don't know. How did you become friends? Victoria, you're so quiet. You can take this one. We're not friends. We hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I met Krista and Kate through... Um, I, was, I was on the BSN a lot and in various chat rooms and then... I was I wasn't much of a Twitter person, but I was following it just to keep up. And I saw her, like Krista, uh, was really prominent there, so I messaged her and I was like, "Hi," <laughs> and uh, she just sort of brought me into the fold, and that's how I met Krista and Kate, and it just spiraled out of control from there. Very nice. <laughs> Who wants to be next? I'm gonna call on you like a teacher if you don't pick. <laughs> well, um. <laughs> So I actually have like a little bit of background in something kind of similar, which is how I got started. Um, my my friends joke that I'm the Twitter queen. So um, I actually w worked on Save Chuck, which was a campaign where we saved the show Chuck on NBC. Mm -hmm. um, and I was one of the three people that led that. So there was, uh, there was me, there was one other person that came up with a... We did a campaign with the American Heart Association. And then there was the guy that moderated all the... If you saw... The panels at Comic-Con and WonderCon, the guy that moderated those was the other person. So there were three of us. Oh, okay. So um, when I heard about Mass Specs, I, <laughs> we won't get into how I started, but when I got into Retake Mass Specs, I just cried. I was so sad. 
um, I was just like, I'm going to use my Twitter. I can use my Twitter for good. So um, I just started finding people that were really passionate about it that I was talking with on Twitter or on different networks. And I decided to make a Facebook group like a secret little Facebook group and I was like let's I just started pulling people in and I was like let's all work together and like have initiatives and do cool things and it kind of started out as I don't know we were just kind of just hanging out and talking about like fangirling or like oh this part sucks and uh and then we started retake.org and uh, ended up merging with hold the line okay so you're used to seeing actual results and and some serious change come about through websites uh, yeah, I mean, I, I say that like I'm an optimist, but I'm also a realist. So, I mean, I never at any point thought like, oh, yeah, NBC is going to save the show. And then when we did it, I was like, oh, we can do shit like this. Like, that's so cool. <laughs> the power um, of Twitter. Yeah. And so I, I was cautious when we started Retake, but I'm not necessarily surprised that we've gotten stuff done. Okay. Caitlin, how about you? How did you uh, get involved in all of this? I kind of just wanted to do this video. I had an idea for a long time that there was not enough of a personal connection in the movement and that Bioware can read as many forum posts and whatnot as they want, but it's not the same as actually hearing their fans and hearing the pain and disappointment and anger in their voices. Mm -hmm. So um, initially my idea was to go and stand outside a couple of my local game stops and ask people if they played Mass Effect 3 and what they thought about it. A uh, friend pointed out that that might get me in trouble, so I want to do that. So I started thinking, okay, how else can I do this? And so one night I was just like, all right, I'm just going to create a Facebook event for this fan testimonies video idea, and if you know five people join in, I'll be happy. And I tweeted it, and um, Krista picked up on it, and she's like, this is an amazing idea, and she added me to her group and totally started bossing me around. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, People uh, aren't going to believe you. Don't say that. <laughs> it's true. Everyone needs a Fuhrer. It's okay. <laughs> no. So, Jessica's uh, shepherd commander. Oh, if you start calling her Shepherd Commander, that would be awesome. Uh, we actually have a friend who always is like, yes, Hauser Commander. And I'm just like... I'm <laughs> <laughs> LT. Nice. Yeah, she calls Kate LT. <laughs> so what's involved with all the work that's with this site? Because you have forums, you have a lot of research you're doing all the time. It seems like you're always doing interviews and kind of trying to talk to the different companies uh, and get responses from for different things, you're doing campaigns, all the rest of that. What kind of, of work do you guys do like daily with this sort of thing? Uh, hours upon hours. I joke that this is my second full-time job. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I feel I, I haven't like tracked it, but I'm sure you guys can agree. Like I feel like I put in like 50, 60 hours a week. Like I have been getting less sleep and for getting meals. Yeah, oh, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well what's the best part of interacting with all the fans you're running into and that is the oh. best part <laughs> is it it's the best so part? cool there's something on twitter that says like bioware ruined my endings and all i got was this amazing community and it's <laughs> it's like the best thing it's like the best way to explain it Nice. Right, so you come across a lot of people that are really angry because you think if they're seeking you out, they're they're kind of upset at that point. Um, do they end up bonding with each other and kind of putting that aside, or do you find there's some things you have to deal with that are negative with it? There is anger, but there's mostly 
hurt and disappointment. And I don't think a lot of people who haven't played the series can understand just how much it sucks you in and how attached you get to your character, to your shepherd, and, and to the crew and the Normandy itself. I mean, I remember watching the first Normandy blow up at the beginning of Mass Effect 2 and I was there and like, this is not happening! <laughs> yeah, it's the Enterprise of this generation, for sure. It really is, and um, I actually put that in the fan testimonies video, and these people on YouTube are all like, ah, no, Halo is the defining series, and I'm like, oh, God, come on, no. So, <laughs> for me, the defining series of the generation, and I think that um, a lot of people, especially those within the retake movement, feel the same. And um, just, it, there's a lot... I've heard a lot of disappointment and people are still feeling that way and I don't know if it's going to go away anytime soon, but um, most people understand that uh, we still love Bioware, we still want to make this right, we still want to be their fans and uh, it certainly helps to have the forums where we can just talk and just be fans and not have to be serious about retake all the time, so it's mm-hmm. pretty nice. Do you feel any pressure representing the masses and kind of interacting with EA and Bioware? Yeah, our um, record for a Skype call when we're trying to figure things out is going to happen. We were up all night. Uh, I'm for Victoria since she's in the UK and she's got like total opposite time zone as the rest of us. So she's constantly up all night. So. Dedication, oh, no, Victoria. Tell them. Tell them how long the Skype call was. 14 and a half hours. <gasps> wow. Yeah. That's yeah. like a whole weekend. <laughs> a whole weekend. Yes, it really was. And then I had to go to my family's Easter dinner with no sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you resolved it, whatever it was. On Amazing. Easter, maybe not. But I, I remember I left, went to brunch, got drunk, came back and joined the Skype call again. <laughs> was it better after you got drunk? I think everybody else would probably say it was more entertaining. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's not the only one in that boat. <laughs> so what are some of the methods you guys use to get the attention of the people who count on this and can influence the ending? Uh, I know there's been cupcakes. People have all sorts of creative ideas. Share some of those with us. Let's see, Victoria, Victoria. so quiet. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um well, there have been letters. Um, people have sent in their N7 patches from the Collector's Edition. Ooh, that's dedication um, too. Man. Yeah, that oh, is dedication. Look at, look I mean, my patch. If I had one, I don't know if I'd want to really part with it. Mm. End- ending bad or not. <laughs> but um, what else have we had? Oh, there's, there's like the M&M's campaign, which is the current kind of sweet treat campaign. Um, although it's it's more in a supportive mode. I think the cupcakes, they were funny and a little bit mean. <laughs> I still support ah. them. I thought they were funny, but still mean. Um, and I hope the M&Ms will be seen as more positive and less critical um, than the cupcakes. But um, gosh, now my mind's gone blank. <laughs> I'm trying to think what All the hell I can we've been doing for a month. Dessert now. <laughs> <laughs> that was awful, watching the, all those cupcakes. Like, constantly having to look at pictures of cupcakes, like, oh. <laughs> Chico. Or was that um, Heidi from Twitter? I can't remember. There was someone who totally went out and bought cupcakes that day. Just, oh, really? Just so you could have because some they were too. just so good. They were just yeah. Like, I need them. Nice. 
Nice. All right. So we actually have like sort of we sort of our little circle here has some like personal interactions with um, employees. We actually sent Jessica Marisen flowers because we are all huge Jessica Marisen fangirls. <laughs> Um, we sent uh, somebody within HTL. I can't remember who it was. Sent. So the joke was, um, who was it? Who was the Porsche? It was. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, "You guys are sending Jessica flowers. What do I get? I want a Porsche." So we sent him a uh, Hot Wheels Porsche. Oh, nice. And then the sweetest thing. I mean, I people can feel however they want to feel about employees and the company. But one of the sweetest things I've seen all week was we were talking to Mike Gamble on Twitter, and. Um, we were like, Kate, I think Kate posted like, we sent Maris and flowers, we sent Priestley a Porsche, what do you want? And I swear to God, he wrote back, I just want for you guys to be happy in June. And I was like, mm. dang it, you made me all sad. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cute. He said summer, not June. We don't want to say a date that we don't know for sure yet. But Oh yeah, if I tell you guys dates, just ignore it because I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh yeah we're gonna let that go um on the live stream because nobody heard that betty says that mike campbell is cute he is cute i'm gonna say it he's cute i've not seen pictures i can't i'm gonna plus on one you on that one <laughs> he's pretty cute <laughs> <laughs> this from the people like Fenris, that's high, uh, high praise. Alright, so let's move to Mass Effect itself. Um, I'm sure y'all have favorite characters. So let's do two. What is your favorite character? And second, what is your favorite romantic interest? Because I know that I've seen your pining posts on your <laughs> fictional character crushes. So oh, two no. for each of you. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Kate does. She's dying yeah, to. She does. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, take a moment and guess who Kate's favorite character and love interest are. Go ahead, Kate. Okay, favorite character is going to be Shepard, just because I'm not going to be such a fangirl that I'm going to use Caden for both. <laughs> um, oh no, Caden, really? Tell me. All right, explain to me. You did not just say that. I'm sorry, Caden. Caden <laughs> died for a reason. <laughs> Oh, it's um. She hates me now. All right, continue. <laughs> um, where do I start? Uh, I think that there are not enough video games who have a um, well-written female protagonist. So, um, that was one of the things that drew me to Mass Effect initially was that Shepard could be female and she was fully customizable and voiced over, which was huge for me. So, um. I think that the whole character Shepard, at least, um, I play a full Paragon, so at least okay. that. Um, I, I love the character. I love everything about her, hands down. I think it'll be difficult for another character to replace her in my heart anytime soon. Um, my love interest is Caden. Um, big surprise. Anybody who follows me on Twitter or HTL knows that. It's like the one forum I'm constantly active in. <laughs> um, I saw him in Mass Effect 1, and I thought he was pretty cute, but I think, and uh, God forbid he hears this, but I think it was Raphael Sparge's voice that kind of did me in. I mean, he did voice Karth in um, the older Knights of the Old Republic, which mm. was probably, Karth is probably my first video game love, but he's definitely been 100% replaced by Caden. Um, God, and Mass Effect 2 broke my heart. God, it was so horrible. Uh, and then Mass Effect 3, just 
I don't know, Caden had this new side to him, which just totally endeared me to him even more. So he's also hands down the sexiest bunch of pixels that ever existed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I admire dedication to him. That's cool. I like the voice. I'll give you that too. All right. So let's see. Who should we go to? Victoria. Uh, just to be, just to not say Shepherd, although I love, I love female Shepherd, and I've also written about her. I see. I've just used my academic career as an excuse to talk about people I like <laughs> that aren't real. Um, I would probably say Garrus, I think, as a favorite mm. character because the bromance you can have with him, even if you're a femship, you can have a bromance. Yeah. He's just the best buddy ever, and he's really. Um, I just think he gets gr the great lines and. I don't know. He's really he's really dedicated and focused, um, and I'm I don't know. I guess I'm a bit of a sucker for buddy movies, so it kind of works for me. But um, and my love interest is Caden. I'm sorry. Okay, actually, I'm not sorry. <laughs> hey, <laughs> go go for it. I find it interesting that I I sort of see him as a little bit like Alistair from um, Origins, where he's he's not your typical like um, really. Uh, beefy kind of jarhead uh sort of marine mm -hmm. um he's, he's a bit more just a bit gentler a bit quieter and it's just a little bit different um from what i usually see when uh, games are writing a love interest directed at women um and now he's open up to both genders as well so i know there's some guys in our um very saucy caden thread who are just as much just as big fans as the girls no <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> no chat room. Blasto does not count as a love interest, unfortunately. Maybe or in it's future. Like a pining, it's like a pining interest. Like, you can't have him, but you can think about it. That's how I feel about Vega, James Vega. <gasps> yeah, he's I do He's a big too. tease. You judge me on Caden and you like Vega? <laughs> I know. I know he's a total... I know. But he's untouchable and he's a tease. It's kind of appealing. <laughs> but yes, I get that he's he's very um stereotypical in many ways. He's voiced by Freddie Prince Jr. though. Yeah, I know. And Come on, how can you resist that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Krista, your turn. Well, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised. Um, my love interest is my favorite character, but for the sake of being creative, um, I would say Fe I just love Femship. I really do. Uh, but if we're talking about crew members and I cannot pick my ally, I'd probably have to go with Tally or Morden for like character's sake. Um, I always take, I always take, um, one of the biotics on my team. So I don't always take Tally or Morden with me, but character-wise, they're my favorite. Like in Mass Effect 2, I took Miranda everywhere, but she's not my favorite character at all. But I liked how like she fought. Biotics. Okay. Yeah, so um, so yeah, so it's pretty easy. My love interest is Garrus. Garrus is the best character ever. So for everybody in the HTL thread that is waiting for it, Garrus shirt. The ah. is calibrating. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. Garrus is the best. I love Garrus. If I could pick him as my favorite and my love interest, I would. <laughs> I'm the biggest fangirl ever. I saw a t-shirt the other day that said, Hoping for Garrus will settle for Caden. <laughs> yes, I've seen the poster. <laughs> there's actually, there's um, a meme online that is a picture of 
all the pictures of Garrus's head where he's like looking really weird. Mm-hmm. But it says, start in a new playthrough for a new romance option or something like that. Romance Garrus anyway. I have not, I have not romanced any character besides Garrus in Mass Effect 2 or 3 because I just can't mm-hmm. do it. Like I decided, I'm going to see him. what the... Yeah, I was like, "What? I, I'm going to see what the big deal is with Caden. Like, I'm, I'm going to see what it is. So I start a whole new playthrough. I romance Caden in one. And then in two, I was like, picture down, going for Garrus. Couldn't help it. <laughs> like, I think, Thane, I think Thane could be like a sexy Xeno love interest too, but I just can't romance Thane when there's a Garrus. He was my love interest. Yeah. I, yeah. I understand. Garrus is pretty special. There's a lot of characters that are just really... Uh, appealing i think in all the mass effect series that really draw you in and you really get attached to like you know liara tally there's the two of the more obvious ones but even joker like, i wish i could have romanced joker it, when he was going yeah that kind of option where you can you can try to hit on him and he's like eh, i like ed or i can't chain of command or something like that but it's it's nice it's nice to at least get close with all of them very cool <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the series and what we love about it before we move to why the ending is broken (laughs) and the hope of the DLC. I think we can agree that every good story has certain characteristics, and uh, this is, I believe, a story at heart, despite the fact that its spirit is kind of riding in the heart of the vehicle of the game. Uh, And most stories require character development and investment, being true to the genre of space tech in this instance, and narrative coherence. So let's break down these three, and I'd like your opinions individually and personally not representing hold the line but on yourselves uh, on character investment and development now before the last 10 minutes all of Mass Effect 3 before the last 10 minutes um, starting with Victoria what do you think about the character investment and development in Mass Effect 3 um, I think it's you kind of see the uh, all of the development that has gone on over the series you see it compounded I think in 3 and I think it's excellent like um, sort of saying goodbye to Morden. So hard, so good. Um, it was just that, that was, I mean, the whole Tachanka thing, brilliantly written, but mm. I, I really, I, I liked Morden a lot, but I really, really heartstrings moment. That was awesome. And um, I find that they all come into their own in the third. Like Kate said about um, how Caden had developed a little more and he had a little bit more to him. Uh, rather than just being kind of cute, He he was a lot older um, and more mature, and I, I really like that about him. And I kind of found that not a sense of seriousness, but a sense of depth and maturity to a lot of the characters. So, whatever you liked about them before, it was really compounded by how um, beautifully written I think most of the characters were in Mass Effect Three. Yeah, I think it reflected the sense that they'd all gone through such a difficult, you know. Mass Effect 2 and all the really heartbreaking things that were happening in there, everyone seemed like they had matured through to Mass Effect 3. But I'm interested, Krista, what did you think about the character development and investment for 3? I'm 50-50. I'm torn. I definitely think um, that the characters were built up better in 2 than in 3. But I feel like they did a pretty fair continuation of that. Like, um, Like Victoria said, there's a lot of your characters are more mature and you get to see like more of them. Like I remember watching on YouTube, I like to watch the love interest videos or videos that I don't get. Um, and I watched this video from Miranda and it's, I think it's if you break up with Miranda and she actually cries. Like, wow. but she has her back turned to you. You're in the little tunnel when you first come off the Normandy and she, 
she's looking away from you and it just shows that she like cries a little and I don't really have any deep connection to Miranda whatsoever but I was just like oh, she has feelings oh my god <laughs> like I almost cried just watching her be sad and then she turns around and she's like okay Shepard like let's handle the mission um, just stuff like that that it's it's really deep and, and you can definitely see a difference from two to three and definitely a difference from one to two um the place where I'm torn is I really feel like they just threw characters away without thinking too hard about it in three. Like, um, like Legion. Like I feel, I feel really bad, especially for like people who romance certain characters that didn't get to be squad mates. Ah. Um, Thane, for example, is like one of the worst, I think he has, I think Thane gets the sexiest reunion scene out of all the love interests. I just want to put that out there. I think somebody at Bioware was like, you know what, if you're going to get screwed over, with this love interest, we're at least going to give you something. Cause she like jumps him and like climbs him in the hospital. Um, it was pretty hot, but I feel like you kind of get gypped. Like you don't get to have him come with you on the ship. You don't get to go on missions with him. And then you get to play three fourths of the game without him. And I feel like that happened with a lot of characters. Um, yeah, Jack. Yeah, my game, I actually didn't know how many characters you could lose um, because I only lost the ones that you absolutely have to, that you can't change. Um, and when I found out that people could just like lose all of these characters mm -hmm. that were their love interests or their crew from two, I was just really sad. And I feel like a lot of good characters didn't get a lot of screen time. But what they got, I thought, was really genuine. I was upset that uh, Thane had written and you get the message on your email, uh, email in the ship. Oh, and I did not go back to the Citadel. And then the Citadel got destroyed. And I was like, oh, I missed my chance to talk to Thane. So I missed the whole scene. I, got, I missed the whole hospital. I missed all that. I was very upset. You didn't get your reunion? I did not. You need to play through it, kid. It is hot. Okay, I'm playing through the second time. It may happen. It's also discouraging to see that wall in the ship, the wall of names that have passed, keep getting longer and longer and longer. Do you ever spend time with that? Right in front of, on the crew deck, there's that wall of, like, Maybe too sad, just walked right past it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's me because the names change places. I'm sorry, it's a really big pet peeve of mine, but if you go back after a save, the names aren't in the same places. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah they change. All right, Kate, you go ahead since it's your turn. Um... I was disappointed with the characters and the development. I shouldn't say the characters, but just the character development in Mass Effect 3. I think I'm going to go ahead and blame that on Mass Effect 2, just because with the loyalty missions, there was so much of it. Mm. Um, it was really great to get Garrus and Tali and Liara back, and I don't think anyone doubted that that was going to happen. Um, I'm not upset with the Thane thing. I, everyone knew he was going to die. I actually was thinking they might even kill him off before the game and, like, Shepard was in prison and then Thane died and she couldn't say goodbye kind of thing. But uh, I think that the way that he died was a lot better than watching him slowly die of Pepperell Syndrome. Mm. So that, uh, I think the people who had it worst were the Jacob Mancers, and I'm sorry, I have no pity for them. I stand Jacob. Yeah. So, but he's so happy now <laughs> with his family. Oh, he's I'm not like, bitter. Dude, I, I still love you, but I totally cheated on you and I knocked this other chick up, so goodbye. <laughs> just... Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Garrus was really great. Um, lots of calibrations jokes. That was like epicness right there. Um, he actually said for you, Kate, in the chat that the reason the names changed was because uh, Garrus was constantly calibrating them. <laughs> <laughs> that gun is so well calibrated. 
That's a lot of wind right there. Um, <laughs> yeah. The character that I wanted to see the most, again, big surprise, was Caden. And um, I am really not happy with the way that went. Um, I have this image of Caden in my head where he has my femship on a pedestal and just worships her. Okay. And I don't like the fact that he outranks her now and he gets made a specter. It's just like, okay, well, if Tally's a freaking fleet admiral, Garrus is mm-hmm. whatever in the hierarchy, Caden's a specter, what does anyone need Shepard for anymore? Seriously. I'm like, give the woman some slack. Well, you're the Jesus of men. And then, you know, they full Caden fangirls in Massachusetts. That horizon scene is just heart-wrenching. I watched it again last night. It still bugs me. <laughs> and then get back at the beginning of Mass Effect 3 and you're talking to him and he's all like, I don't know if I can trust you. You know, Cerberus this, Cerberus that. And I'm like sitting there going, how are we going to get past this? And then he gets his head bashed in, which I, I can't believe I'm going to admit this. I screamed at my TV. Which <laughs> <laughs> actually worse so uh yeah i was really upset when i saw that and then he gets taken away for three quarters of the game and i'm like oh they took him out of all of mass effect 2 enough and i think it was the same with a lot of the other characters they just had these quick cameos and then i'm like you know i i guess i was kind of hoping that they would all be back as squad mates for at least Apart, like even their cameos, you didn't get to have them in your squad. You didn't get to do missions, sort of like the loyalty things. It was like you just run into them, and I don't know. It was it was weird. Okay, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. All right, so let's talk about being true to the genre of space tech. In other words, um, having realistic uh, and understandable reasons, scientific reasons for why things happen the way they happen. What would you say about that, Krista? Oh, I don't know if I'm the person that asks about logic, but I can attest to the fact that I think that Mass Effect is really original. And I mean, I don't know if that kind of falls in the same category, but I, I mean, I feel like Mass Effect is like this generation Star Wars. I feel like it's very original mm-hmm. and it does space tech, but it does its own thing. Um, yeah, I don't know if that kind of... No, helps when it comes fine. to logic like space tech logic like whether or not the firefly makes sound in space uh, i don't i don't know <laughs> <laughs> they have a lot of detail in the codexes which is nice i think for those who are inclined to be geek out over you know singularities and stuff like that but uh let's ask you um kate what do you think I really liked the idea of the mass relays and um, I thought it was really different from Star Trek where ships can pretty much just jump anywhere, like warp speed and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's kind of similar, I guess, to the hyperspace lanes in um, Star Wars, but still, those are not dependent on technology. It's just kind of like space maps that are safe to travel routes. So I thought the mass relays were really, really cool, and I was totally blown away from by the Citadel. And um, the Normandy is right up there with the Enterprise um, on my list of most beautiful spaceships. So It is uh, beautiful. It is, it really is. And uh, I'm apparently in the minority, being the uh, person who thinks the, uh, the Alliance SR2 is the nicest one, with the exception of the inside not being finished. Yeah. Retrofitting an alliance term for mood lighting. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, yes. I'm not going to start arguing about the models we're collecting, because I, I have to have them all. But, <laughs> alright, I thought the Ezo was pretty cool, like that, that technology. I didn't read a whole lot about that, but building all that with the Ezo. Anyway, Victoria, somebody who studies this stuff and probably pays more attention, what do you think? Uh, well, I, th I, I mean, I love the technology. I love the, um, like, I mean, every kind of sci-fi um, technological thing has to come up with some explanation of something difficult. So whether it's your warp core um, in Star Trek or your hyperspace lanes and all that sort of thing. So I, I love Mass Effect, like the Mass Effect. I think it's really interesting. Um, uh, Sciencey enough to be believable, but vague enough um, to be used, I mean obviously it's mm -hmm. not real, but um, I think it's really important that like the detail in the codex and the way things are explained, it's really important in creating that sense of um, reality and legitimizing the world because if it's ridiculous you might still have fun with the game but you're not going to believe it and you're not going to develop that sense of attachment because you can't, you can't get to the same level of immersion um, mm -hmm. where you can really feel the world and know the world um, because if you can't construct it logically in your head because of silliness, where it's like, that's just illogical, um, it's just not going to work. And I think that one of the um, uh, major successes of Mass Effect is that they've used that um, techie kind of approach where they explain things in a way where you think, yeah, okay, I'll accept that as, as fact. Um, and it really works for them. And I love the Codex. So, Agreed. <laughs> big fan. <laughs> All right, let's talk about narrative coherence. Um, and we'll start with Krista on this. What is your thought? Uh, if that makes sense. Um, how so exactly? I'm not really sure. Well, okay, you're looking at the story. It seems to flow in a way that makes sense. Uh, there's nothing that jars you out of it and makes you say, wait, I don't understand why such and such suddenly showed up. You know, that sort of thing where you're immersed oh. in it and, it and it kind of flows the way it should. I would say, like, the transition from, oh, what was it? It was, like, the um, like the ending that they were moving towards from Mass Effect 3, and then they changed it. Mm. I can't remember. I can't remember like, exactly what the term is for it. It was, like, the, the black whatever. Oh, like dark the, energy. The dark, dark energy, energy, yeah. The dark energy switch over to, like, the Star Child that that kind of threw it for me because it was like it was like we're doing the Dark Energy storyline um, that was a little jarring and then I have to like I'm gonna say it we're all thinking it Kai Lang really like like the the, <laughs> the random anime ninja that just pops into the middle of the Mass Effect universe yeah that was a little weird yeah. and like he was such a big deal like it was like oh Kai Lang is like your arch nemesis now and you're like really like I'm supposed to care. <laughs> And then, and then it's like he's like this serious bad guy. And he's like, you know, like I will, I will mess with you, Shepard. And then he sent you that douchey email. It was like, really? Did did you let a twelve year old write Kai Lang's email? Like it was funny, but it was like that was really weird. I was a little jarred by that. <laughs> I hate you very much, XOXO Kai Lang. Yeah, I mean it was funny, but that as far as narrative coherence, I was a little like, really? Yeah. Okay. Space Ninja. <laughs> yeah. I could see that. I felt that way with Legion, where um, I didn't really understand why he had to die. You know, suddenly in the end, he, he's just, I must upload myself. And I didn't, like, I guess, scientifically understand why that was necessary. But I kind of just accepted it as okay. It, it flowed enough for me. But it was a little bit like, wait, I, I didn't realize we were doing that now. Anyway, 
my thoughts. Like the level where you like go through the computer. That was a little. Ah, uh, it was cool, but it was kind of weird. Yeah, Ran- the lot on Rannock was kind of upsetting to me. But you just wanted to see what Rannock really looked like. Yeah, I was like, you're just fighting for this. Tracing around with Tally. <laughs> you're fighting for this. <laughs> All right, Kate, your turn. Uh, I'm gonna call Krista out on Kyling. <laughs> your fan? You think he should be there? The books. Kyling oh, okay. and Kelly Sanders are huge characters in the books. They have a lot of backstory that wasn't random. Uh, I've I- heard that, but within the game, without adding that backstory, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, and they did that more than once. Um, please, if anyone knows, explain to me how the heck Udina ended up being counselor when I chose Anderson, because I don't understand that. Mm. Um, and I'm really disappointed in Bioware for that, because they need to not assume that everyone has read the books, or the comics, um, or the Codex, even. Um, and something like the whole Anderson not being counselor, my assumption is he must have stepped down at some point. Okay. It's, um, it, it takes a one-liner to explain that, and I don't understand why they couldn't just throw that in. I mean, they've got so much other content in there. Um... Yeah, I was really disappointed with the the fact that they walked away from the dark energy because there was so much buildup to that in Mass Effect 2, and I thought it was a really interesting concept. And Starchild killed it, for sure. Other than that, there's not too much that I would pick on in Mass Effect in terms of the narrative. I think that they did a really good job tying up the loose ends for the most part. Uh, I think here. It's the some things came out of nowhere but worked, like the collectors, for example. There was no mention of them at all in Mass Effect One. And then all of a sudden they're the antagonists of Mass Effect Two, but it didn't do anything to take away from the story. Mm. So um I think they did a really good job with the narrative, with the exception of the ending. I want Victoria to answer this, but did you all feel that, for me, I played through all of the DLCs in Mass Effect 2. In Mass Effect 3, a lot of the stories I felt were repeating from the DLCs that I had already played for Mass Effect 2. Like, Miranda and her sister, I was kind of like, didn't we already save her? And some other stuff that just seemed like, almost like I had been there. I had a weird deja vu feeling for some of the quests. Was that just me? Did anyone else feel that way? They, um... I don't know what they're thinking on that one, especially their rival DLC. Um, that DLC was pretty important to understanding Mass Effect 3 because they made a lot of mentions to it in mm. Mass And I feel sorry for anyone who didn't play it because you're missing out on this huge chunk. I mean, there's enough of this, okay, what happened in between the end of Mass Effect 2 and the end of Mass Effect 3? I mean, we know Shepard turned herself in, obviously. I don't think anyone doubted that was going to happen. But we don't really know what happened. You know, last we knew they were crashed on the collector base, how did they get off and all that stuff. Right. Um, yeah, a lot of the quests did repeat and um, it was disappointing. The Miranda one was probably the most repetitive. Um, I also have to admit, I was in a bit of a snit because Liara was my love interest and in the second one she was like, oh no, I'm far too busy to come save the world with you. I am the Shadow Broker. And then you show up in three and she's like, Oh, hey, hey, how you doing? Uh-uh, lady. Uh-uh, not gonna happen. <laughs> I've moved on. I've moved on. 
Yeah, I thought that was a little jarring too. But anyway, well, have you guys seen the the comic book about how basically Mass Effect Three is is like you're an errand boy? It's like comics about how it's like it's like oh hey, so you have to save the galaxy, but can you go like pick up my dry cleaning and get my car in the keys? meantime? Like, yeah, so at least in Mass Effect 2, there were, like, huge, super long missions, but the missions in 3 were, some of them were so stupid. It's like, yeah, let's get the person trying to save the galaxy to go do this. Yeah, can you please help us to uh, turn on this generate this shield generator so we can... <laughs> really? Like, no, I have Reapers to fight. I'm a little busy. <laughs> right. All right, Victoria, your chance to answer that last question about the narrative coherence. Oh, Yes. Oh, right. Uh, I think the most jarring thing for me, uh, there are a lot of mini things where I'm like, uh, I don't know about this. I mean, I know Kyleng is in the books, but I haven't read them and I'm just like, go away, Kyleng, you're stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I'm mature. And uh, aside from all the little things where I'm like, I can get past that, the major factor in the break for narrative coherence is the way um, it's set up as a romance and I don't mean romance like the modern word I mean romance like the genre of um, you know you have a quest there are certain things that must be fulfilled you reach an end goal um, and, and space opera is the sci-fi term for romance and Mass Effect markets itself as a space opera um, so it knows it's doing it um, and it's deliberate and then when you get to the end um, it's sci-fi kind of dystopia where it's like I, I just I just find it a little bit of a dystopia where you end up with this kind of ruined world where it's like okay we can unite the galaxy we can do all these wonderful things diversity unity um, and all that good stuff um, and then it's like actually no someone has to die but but not someone like if it was self-sacrifice it would be a kind of heroic thing mm -hmm. but it's it, you're making you're making racial sacrifices or sacrifices of free will and it's like the sacrifices you have to make are too great um, to have a satisfying I did the right thing feeling and I don't think any ending can give you the feeling of it was what's right you know if you have to die you can go away thinking I did the right thing my, my character died in Dragon Age Origins and I cried like a girl but I was like it was the right thing to do mm -hmm. but I just I just don't feel like you can come away from it feeling like you did the right thing and um, that's the genre it sets itself up to be if I was playing an Orwellian kind of game then I'd be totally down with it I think the endings were making you think of some really difficult things pushing some really hard ethical choices on you making you take a step back and think well that's some heavy stuff man but in the context of the genre it just looks broken so I see well, let's all sigh and breathe together because we are going to talk about the ending now. Big breath. Okay. <sighs> I would like to steal a little bit from a man I admire greatly whose name is Doyce Testerman, and he was able to articulate some things, I guess, how I felt about the ending better than I would be able to. And there are going to be some listeners uh, to the podcast who do not play Mass Effect, and this is for them and the general public who basically thinks that we're all a bunch of spoiled gamers whining. So I would like to draw a comparison for all of these people who do not necessarily play. Um, and this is a bit long, but then I'd like your feedback after, so please be patient with it. Let's pretend for a moment, and I'm quoting him now, that Lord of the Rings was released not as a series of books, but a series of games. More importantly, the company behind the series decided to do something really hard but rewarding with the game. They were going to let you make decisions during play that substantively altered the elements of the story. 
So this means that playing through Lord of the Rings, you would end up with a personal game experience that was pretty much like the one you and I all remember from reading the books, but that story would be the default version. Whole forums are filled up by fans comparing the series for their versions of the game, talking about guides on how to get involved with a romantic relationship with Arwen, the obvious one, Eowyn, more difficult as you have to go without any kind of romance option through the whole first game, but considered by many to be far more rewarding, or even Legolas, finally released as a DLC for the third game. And what about the players who rolled the main character as female? Well, that changes a lot of stuff, as you might well imagine. Okay, so you're playing through this game, and you've played through parts in 1 and 2 several times, in fact, sometimes as a goody two-shoes, sometimes as a total badass. You have a version of the game where you're with Arwen, one with Eowyn, and one with Legolas, and even one where you focus on Frodo and his subtle hand-holding bromance with Sam. You're ready for part three, and out it comes. And it's awesome. You finally bring lasting alliance between Rohan and Gondor, you form a fragile yet believable peace between elves and doors, and you even manage to recruit a significant strike force of Moria orcs who don't so much as like you as they hate the Johnny-come-lately Urukai. The final chapter is open. You face down Saruman, who pretended to fund all your efforts through the second book, and you crawl to the top of Mount Doom, collapse against a rock, and you have a really touching heart-to-heart -heart with Sam. It's over. You know you have all your scores high enough to destroy the one ring with no crisis of conscience and no lame golem bit off my finger and then falls into the lava ending. And then out comes this glowing figure from behind a rock, and it's Tom Babadell. And Tom explains your options. The ring cannot be destroyed. You have three choices. One, control evil. Two, merge good and evil. And three, destroy evil plus all dwarfs will die. And P.S. All choices will destroy magic. Now, none of them have anything to do with destroying the ring, do they? Has destroying the ring, alternately destroying Sauron, been pretty much the thing you've been working toward the whole game? Yes, it has. In fact, it actually mentions rings right there in the title of the series, doesn't it? Rather seems to make the ring a bit of a banner item. But no, none of these options are about the ring. They're about one of the B-plots in the series, and one you pretty much already laid to rest a few chapters ago. And that's it. A bunch of cutscenes play, Mount Doom explodes with three different colors, depending on your choice, and the credits roll the end. And every one of these cutscenes shows Gandalf, Aragorn, and Samwise escaping the explosions on one of the eagles and crash landing somewhere in Lorien, where they all pat themselves on the back and watch the sunset together. What? But Sam was with you. Aragorn and Gandalf? Didn't they start running away through the last bite of the Black Gate? Did your boys abandon you? What the actual fuck did you do to this story? And there is the comparison um, between Lord of the Rings and Mass Effect for those who may not actually play and give you maybe a better idea about why the community of Mass Effect is so up in arms. So what do you guys think of that? Yeah, that's that. That was amazing. <laughs> I like that guy. He's funny. All right. So let's talk about the hope our all hope of the future, the DLC. Uh, do you think that the indoctrination theory, which for non-Emmy listeners, is summed up in my my words as the theory that ever since Shepard met Sovereign, she has been slowly being indoctrinated, has been fighting it the whole time, and in the entire end of the whole thing is in her mind, and the child's kind of her dreams versus the Reaper is a symbol of her mental battle. Um, it's more complicated than that, but that's kind of a basic. Do you see this as a viable option in the DLC, would you say? Say Kate first? Yeah, but they won't take it. <laughs> okay, tell about that. 
not take it because they've been going blah blah artistic integrity blah for a month now so they're not going to turn around and take something that fans came up with and even if we go with the assumption that some people have made that that may have been what the actual endings were then they're not going to come out and admit it after all of this backlash that they've had to deal with over that because they would basically be saying that they sold us an incomplete game a game that doesn't really have an ending because yeah. it doesn't if it is the indoctrination theory what happened did it destroy the reapers or what like did the normandy really crash where is everybody i don't think it answers any questions mm -hmm. it's just for me it's a coping mechanism to say that <laughs> Okay, um, Shepard was indoctrinated, and um, uh, I took the destroy ending, so my Shepard's alive. So I've been like head cannoning this reunion with Caden and the crew, and my happy space parade, a la Star Wars. So, um, yeah, <laughs> space parade. But uh, I don't think they'll go with that indoctrination theory at all. Um, I really don't know what we can expect with the DLC. I'm hopeful because I think that they do have a good grasp of just how precarious the situation is for them. Um, and I honestly believe that Bioware, the employees at least, maybe not the company as a whole, but the employees who worked on Mass Effect, they care about this product. They put eight years of their lives into this. They go to the conventions, they meet fans, they've been tweeting us, they're on our forums. Um, so they've been talking to us and they wouldn't do that if they didn't care, so I'm hopeful. Okay. What do you think, Krista? Uh, indoctrination theory. I. I'm with Kate. I think it's a. I think it's a coping mechanism. I think it's a brilliant coping mechanism. Uh, I don't know if I have really an opinion on whether or not it was what they planned or it was something that they thought out in advance. But I definitely. I don't. First of all, they've they've made a statement that says they're absolutely not changing the ending or invalidating it in any way. So I don't think that they'll do anything, including indoctrination theory, that will make the the whole ending not have happened basically okay. i mean if you were to go with indoctrination theory you're going to be like okay the last 10 minutes didn't really happen and everything that they've said on they being bioware on their forums and the the blog and the comments i just don't think that they're going to do it i think it's brilliant um i absolutely think that it's a way out in which they cannot money um, either for just DLC or for a whole nother game I'm one of the very few people like my dream that will never happen is like that they plan this out they rickrolled all of us and that there's going to be a Mass Effect 4 and Shepard wakes up and we get to actually do what we were meant to do um, everyone says kitten you're full of crap that's not going to happen <laughs> but that's my dream that's my indoctrination theory um, but no I, I, I think that there was just some sort of epic mistake where nobody at this giant table of people stood up and said like Wait, that—that's this is how you're gonna end the game. Like, I, I feel like somebody should have done that, but nobody did it. And I really, I don't think that they thought it through. They thought it ahead. That they planned on fixing it. That they planned on indoctrination theory. I would hope so. I would, I would hope that they would, you know, do that. But I also my my feeling with indoctrination theory when people are like, do you think it's true? Um, I don't. I don't think that's what happened. But I do think that things line up really well. And I think that it's better than the alternative. 
Um, but for me, it's very, this is a really old school reference, but if you ever saw like anybody that watched like first season old school Sailor Moon, you watch all of the episodes in the first season and then it's like, hey, you guys, just kidding. None of that really happened. Nobody remembers anything and they don't eat, they're not friends anymore. To me, that is really offensive as a viewer. <laughs> I hate when shows do that. I find it offensive. So if they really did do that on purpose, I would, I would just be like, really, you just, it's like the episode of Family Guy where they're like, oh, so you're, so you're saying like that basically you wasted people's like last 30 minutes of their life and nothing in this episode happened and isn't that offensive it is mm. but it's better than the ending we got so i wish that it would be true but i don't expect that to happen in the dlc okay victoria uh no i'm not a fan sorry but um for the reasons that kate and krista have outlined i think it would be morally uh just wrong if they said oh hey indoctrination theory is true we planned it all along we sold you a game without an ending no uh, it, that would be just terrible. Um, and as, as for the theory in itself, there are some really interesting things and things that really get me thinking um, that I can't explain like Vega hearing the hum. But uh, when they try to pull the rest of it together, the, the smaller pieces that make the story fit together, I just kind of feel like, nah, you're clutching at straws, you're kind of making that up. And I, I know that uh, together it looks like a really, really interesting and convincing theory, but... I really don't think it works. I think it falls apart really easily under criticism. So mm. I just don't think it's... Uh, I don't even think it's viable. If they wanted to do it, I don't think it's a strong enough thing for them to do. And I did read somewhere, although um, don't quote me for truth, that indoctrination theory was originally a part of the plot, which they dropped. Um, and I thought if, if that was true, there's probably scenes in it which uh, could lead you to believe the indoctrination is what's happening, but because they dropped it, they just kept the uh, scene which might have had a hint in it that without the larger indoctrination plot, the hint is relatively meaningless unless you're trying to put it together. But uh, like I said, I don't know how true that is, but, but that would explain uh, the subtle hints for me that people are pulling up, which I really can't explain. Okay. My opinion is kind of that after your game ends, if your fans are left to create theoretical and alternate explanations about what it really means, you pretty much messed up. So I, I don't necessarily buy the indoctrination theory, but it would be nice if they used it. Um, I wonder what you guys think about uh, Drew Carbishan's ending. He was the original writer for the Mass Effect series and was replaced halfway through the, the third one. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but it looks right to me. Um, and for the listeners, the idea that dark energies in the universe and the mass relays were emanating it faster and it would consume the universe and the Reapers are trying to stop it and giving us two choices, which is one, turn humanity into a giant Reaper, basically, with its genetic diversity, or kind of say, screw that and hope that we find a way to, to stop it without help. Hence the mass effect, which would kind of make more sense of the name. What are your thoughts on that? I'm 50-50 on that one. Um, I, I've read the novels, which are written by him, and I do think that he's a really talented sci-fi author. I don't know how I feel about the whole get turned into a reaper or deal with it on your own. Um, Seems kind of limiting. It, it kind of touches on one of my feelings about the 
the ending that they did go with, which is that it degrades the Reapers as a threat. We spent three whole games seeing the Reapers as these mysterious beings that, you know, as Sovereign says himself, we couldn't possibly understand. And they come across as this huge threat because they're so mysterious, because we know nothing about them. And for them, it's turn around and, and say, oh yeah, by the way, the Reapers were trying to save you. That's like right up there with saying the whole ending was a dream with me. It's just don't do that. Don't character assassinate the Reapers like that. Um, they already did it with Starchild, but <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I wish I had a crystal ball and I could know what the ending would have been like had he stayed on the team, but uh, I, I don't think that would have been great either. Okay. Victoria, what do you think? Um, I'm kind of with Kate on this one. I, I don't oh, I don't know. I suppose I would have had to have seen it, how it played out, if they'd written it really well. Um, I mean, to be honest, if you, th if you feel like, hey, we we're going to introduce this uh, controlling being that's actually uh, using the Reapers as puppets, and um, it's all part of this cycle, I might be like, hey, that sounds kind of cool. But it all depends on how, how it's written and how it works out in the game. Um, because as it is, uh, the puppet master of the Reapers uh, at the end is not cool at all. I like so. the part where they shoot him repeatedly. Have you seen that <laughs> video? <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. Walking around, shooting him repeatedly. Alright, Krista, your turn. Oh, I'm going to be like the uh, rainbows and puppies and kittens 12-year-old, and I'm just going to say that I really want my space parade and I want this stupid happy ending, and I respect the people that want, like, the deep-thinking ending, but no, I just want to kill Reapers and be happy and have another Garrus scene and have, like, ticker tape in space. Okay. I respect that. <laughs> I would like the space parade. That would be cool. At least to know what happens to everyone, and that's what I'm, I think we're hopefully going to get. Cross fingers. Alright, so we're getting ready to close. I think it'd be a good idea to take some questions for you now, if you're up to it. And we have a couple of Twitter questions. A. Lorenzen is asking you, if the DLC is not satisfactory, and I, I'm asking, we should probably define the term satisfactory, uh, what is the next plan of action for the website? From my personal point of view, uh, again, personal point of view, I need to emphasize that, I really don't know what else we would be able to do if they release the extended cut DLC and we don't like it. Um, I really don't know if they're going to be willing to meet us any further than they already have. Uh, that said, HTL is not going to go anywhere. Um, we'll, we've always done everything based off of community consensus. So, um, God forbid the DLC sucks and we get our hearts broken all over again. We'll listen to the community. We'll see what they want to do. We'll weigh our options. But the long-term goal of HTL has always been to sort of move away from Retake Mass Effect once um, it's done and sort of transition to gamer advocacy in general. Mm -hmm. so, uh, don't worry, we won't go anywhere. Cool. All right, Victoria, your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I, I, I just kind of want to um, 
make it clear to everyone that hold the line kind of will stand for gamer advocacy and uh, there are a lot of groovy plans in the works um, for the future um, but for now um, personally I, I don't I don't know what more we could push for I think we've done a really great thing getting hold of um, of a DLC for free which which as far as I understand it is being built off fan feedback um, and that's really cool I don't I don't know what else Bioware would do for us and if it's absolutely devastatingly horrible um, I'm really not sure what the next step would be uh, as, as far as it, it I just don't I, I would be gobsmacked I can't even formulate an answer <laughs> if it's if it's that terrible I don't think it can um, fix everything perfectly because I think you'd have to chop off the last 10 minutes of the game to do that but um, if it's absolutely dire I think the fans would be really insulted and um, we may have to have a, a little uh, huddle and decide what we want to do about that. Another 16-hour call. <laughs> With drinking. With drinking. <laughs> Alright, Krista, any thoughts? Um, I definitely agree that I, I don't know what we would do, but I definitely... I mean, I, I feel like if the ending totally sucks, we're going to do something. The community will want to do something. So I, I feel like we would definitely, whatever that is, follow through. Um, something that I, I understand people that want to play the waiting game. And I'm definitely not personally all about being super aggressive and mean. And um, But I do think for people that are like, let's just wait till summer and see what happens. I feel like our chance to make a difference, to ch decide what's going to happen with the DLC and to shape that and to give our feedback is now. By the time that comes out, it's going to be too late to give your opinions. It's going to be too late to do anything about it. And there, I, I think to some degree, Bioware and EA are going to shut down and they're going to be done listening. Hmm. Um, like I said, if you if the community wants to keep fighting and the ending DLC sucks, I'll be right there doing it. But I don't think that it's going to make as big of a difference as we have now. So whereas a lot of people just want to wait, I absolutely think that right now is the time. Like we're getting ready to do a big letter campaign. Like this is the time when if you want to have an opinion and show Bioware what that is, it's going to be now because they're, they're I don't think they're going to be really listening once it's over. Okay. That kind of answers. Eldrick1976 is asking a question, what can people do to help with the movement? And it sounds like you have a lot of different campaigns and stuff going, so should they just check the site, or what's the best way to help? Hold the line. We have, um, I have something called the weekly initiative that I need to update, um, but it's actually one post that is usually on the front page that has a list of all of the current initiatives. So if you're really lazy and you hate the forums, I used to hate forums until Hold the Line and now I'm addicted. Um, and you don't want to sort through everything, you can go look for that and it'll basically just tell you how to help. Um, also, if you follow either of us three on Twitter, we post everything on Twitter if you don't want to go through Hold the Line or if you just want to look for good information. Like, oh, I don't want to sort through the forums, but I want to know how I can help. Um, we're pretty good about getting that information there too. We've also got a newsletter recently. Uh, yeah, just signed up, and that has um, a kind of a roundup of the most uh, exciting and the biggest uh, things that are going on, as well as some of the funniest. <laughs> Very good. There's there's a lot of fun on Hold the Line. Wh whatever your sense of humour is, they're a hilarious crew. I love them dearly. 
There's a question from Busiris, and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, 5,000. Do you think or know that the ME3 development team has heard you and us when we're pointing this out? Do you have indications that they're listening, or have you gotten feedback, I guess, from the development team themselves? Chris Priestley's on our forum. Chris <laughs> <laughs> Priestley is actively posting on our forums. We have confirmation that it is actually him. Uh, yeah, and uh, happy birthday to Devin King Oda, as Chris is right Yeah. We also promised a little shout out to Sirens, um, the lovingest love interest of them all. So there that is, um, totally aside there. But um, yeah, we have in, we have confirmation that they're on the forums, they're talking to us. As we have said, we tweet with them constantly. I got into the debate with Mike Gamble about different types of cinematics the other night. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> it was uh, interesting. Um, I don't think he liked me calling him out very much, but uh, we I've also uh, tweeted a little bit with Patrick Weeks, um, so uh, we also obviously have talked to Jessica Marizan, so they're talking to us, they're listening, I believe they're listening, like I said earlier, I really do think that they care. Um, there was an interview a little while ago, I wish I could remember what site it was on, where Mike Gamble talked about the Extended Cut DLC, and the last question that he was asked was, why didn't, why wasn't all of this that people had brought up in the ending in the first place? And he answered, uh, what did he say again? He said we didn't know that there was enough demand for it. And that got the most epic of face palms out of me. Um, I don't understand how they can possibly build an entire trilogy around certain things and then not understand that there was any need for it in the ending, but we've been bombarding them with feedback through every possible channel. Um, even before this got as big as it was, you were fooling yourself if you don't think they were watching the hashtags or watching the BSN. They have people whose job it is to do this but it's gotten to the point that the developers and the people who directly handle the product are involved. So rest assured they're listening. Okay. Rabbit has a question. He would like to know what you would like to see in the DLC. Um, you kind of touched on that just a second ago, but specifically, like, what would you guys like to see if it was a satisfactory DLC? Reapers exploded. More Garrus slash love interest of your choice. Uh, Space Parade. Space Parade. Right. <laughs> I'd like the option of a heroic death, but I mean, I mean, I'm okay with dying. Um, I, I'd, lo I'd love the option of space parade, love interest, um, you know, big reunion, uh, finding out who didn't make it through the battle and all that sort of thing. But I'm also up for like heroic death. Everyone has a funeral and they're all stoically remembering you and you know how honourable you were and all that good stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. shout out to the blue babies. Everybody wants the blue babies. <laughs> I, I I could not care less about blue babies. I want my adorable half Canadian, half Mandalorian babies with gorgeous black hair. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. We have other shout outs. Let's see. Shout outs to Tinsy and shout outs to Zikris. Shout outs to Demon King Otis whose birthday it is. Let's see. Alright. Can I'll start singing happy birthday? Ooh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm not going to start. Oh, yes, you are. Hey, you just offered. I heard it. Yeah, you guys want to <laughs> join in, and then I would look stupid. <laughs> I'll clap. <laughs> I don't have a kazoo. I'm sorry. All right. We are getting close to ending. Is there anything you guys wanted to say before we wrap up here? 
I guess we just want to say thanks. Yeah, you guys are really awesome. Um, it's really difficult for us to communicate to you just how much time we put into this, but it's worth every second of it. Um, I don't think I've ever met um, so many amazing people so quickly before, and uh, everyone's really awesome. Um, so thanks, because you guys really keep us going. You give us the energy to do this, and we're totally running on empty. So it's really great. It's really humbling. And a uh, little bit of a personal thanks to uh, Austin and the ladies of the Caden Alenko fan thread, because you guys are like my personal support group. You have no idea how much that thread gets me through the worst days ever. And I just really hope the developers never find it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Victoria. I oh yeah, go ahead. Oh sorry. Oh, I, I would just thank the community as well. I, I'm I'm um, I'm not surprised, but also a little bit surprised at the amazing um, spirit and good humor and camaraderie that's come out of it. And it's so great to see um, gamers coming together to totally blow the uh, gamer stereotype out of the water and show that you know we are really good people who are passionate, um, generous, and that you know. God forbid, we are actually capable of intelligent and critical thought. Um, and we can do it in a way where it doesn't involve crying over it and being entitled baby whiners. So I'm just, I'm just really thrilled to, uh, to be a part of a community and be able to prove that we are a very worthy community. And last but not least, Shepherd Commander. Bowser <laughs> Commander. Um... Uh, so, first of all, this is, you guys are so serious, you're putting me to shame. Um, Kate and I are going to be at PAX this year. Um, I've never been, I don't think Kate has ever been. Um, and we have not met in person because we live far away, so you should come hang out with us at PAX. And um, I'm going to try and put something together where we can have like little hold the line tags that you can wear on your badge so you can find other hold the line people. Um, and I'm going to be like well talky as always I talk too much um, I'm gonna have to say something so the people that I gather together from like day one that have created retake.org and have run HTL and I would give a shout out to every single person if I could but um, I want to give a shout out to Hugo and David and Dimitri Josh Amanda Jessica Matt Zach Isa um, Artie Sarah and Adam and that's actually the team I, I call us Team Normandy. Um, but that's the people that I brought together that have been working for the last four weeks that actually created the website um, and merged with Hold the Line and have been, I mean, everybody has been doing everything, but those are the people that kind of got everything started with retake.org and couldn't be on the chat because we just don't have enough room for every single person or we'd be talking over each other for the whole time. I'd like to be really annoying and just add a final shout out to a guy that like gets barely any recognition but is one of the hardest working guys. Oh yeah. This. And it's gotta be Volion. He's the super admin of Hold the Line. He set up the website, he runs it. He's um you ask him for anything and he's there and he does it for you. The amount of time he sinks into that thing. I don't know when or if he sleeps. He's absolutely incredible. And he's definitely the um the kind of dad of our group. He keeps us in line when, when we're being silly and childish. And uh, <laughs> he's, just, he's just an awesome guy and his commitment is unparalleled. Um, so if you see him around the forum, give him a cookie. Who? Also, Who is it? We have to Bolion. know. Sorry. Oh, Bolion. Bolion. <laughs> um, on that same note, though, 
I'm going to get in trouble for this later, but um, I'm going to do it anyway because, Vullion, you know, this is just what I do. Um, Vullion paid for the entire website out of pocket. Hold the line came out of his pocket. So I would actually, like, I, I'm not trying to solicit money, but if you have it, you can go to the donation page on HTL and that you're literally reimbursing him for all the money he's put into it because he absolutely refuses to to ask for it. So I'm doing it and he can just be mad at me. Nice. Yeah, we forget to thank our moderators too. Um, they're a really great bunch of people. They help us out a lot on the forums and they're all just volunteers. Um, we're such goofs. Like you guys don't realize it when we're on the forums because like I have to put my PR hat on and be serious and everything. I think you've noticed how much of a total fangirl goof I am tonight. Probably made a complete ass out of myself all night. But um, Stop. We're goofs. We can't keep a single subject going for long at all to the point that we have our own memes now so uh shout out to our moderators and specifically uh bells nickel who has his own meme now for uh getting us all under control last night when we derailed the thread despite the fact that we're staff so we all got as we say now on htl bells nickeled so shout out to them because they're awesome people very cool. For those who couldn't make it tonight, uh, this recording will be saved here on Twitch and available for viewing, and I'll most likely upload it to YouTube as well. Um, my tag there is the Genesee, and the MP3 will have added poems, music, and extras. Oh, kitty! And be available on Tuesday next week. Asking for the cat, so there's the cat. His yes. name is. He's a huge Mass Effect fan too, and he totally romances Garrus. Oh. <laughs> Do you fight for Garrus's affection with the cat? No. <laughs> Garrus, Krista can have him. I, I prefer dating. That's right, you're all about Caden, so you can share. That's fine. <laughs> a big thank you to Krista. You can find her on Twitter at Kitten, K-I-H-T-E-N. And lovely meeting you, Kate. You can find her at Clarissant, C-L-A-R-I-S-S-A-N-T-21. And Victoria, it was a super fun time. Find her on at Siren, S-Y-R-I-N underscore. And visit retakemasseffect.org or holdtheline.com. If you'd like to leave some feedback or keep up with the news, you can find me on Twitter at Gray Area Podcast, at Facebook slash Gray Area Podcast, and I urge you to subscribe on the Twitch channel if you enjoy this, or you can find me on iTunes as well. If you have any gray areas in your relationships or just need a new perspective, email your questions, advice, or suggestions to genesegray at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week with a new episode. Please subscribe.